This is Recruiting Daily's Recruiting Live podcast, where we look at the strategies behind the world's best talent acquisition teams. We talk recruiting, sourcing, and talent acquisition. Each week, we take one overcomplicated topic and break it down so that your three-year-old can understand it. Make sense? Are you ready to take your game to the next level? You're at the right spot. You're now entering the mind of a hustler. Here's your host, William Tincup. Ladies and gentlemen, it's William Tincup, and you're listening to the Recruiting Daily Podcast. Today, we have Cream on from Selby Jennings, and our topic today is making recruiting more human. Probably no better time to talk about it than, than right now. So, uh, Kareem, welcome to the show. Would you introduce both yourself and Selby Jennings? Absolutely. Thank you, William, for having me today. Sure. Uh, you know, pleasure to be here. Very excited to kind of chop up the, uh, the topic of making recruitment human. Um, yeah, as a, as a quick introduction, again, my name is Kareem Bakker. I've been with our business now uh, for about nine years. Um, and yeah, Selby Jennings essentially is the financial services recruitment brand underneath the parent company of Fade International. Uh, so Fade International has six different um, sort of specialty businesses underneath it, uh, Selby being the one focused within FS. Um, in terms of our sort of presence and, and what we do, we're focused on essentially four core pillars of the market. Uh, the first being um, candidates and roles focused more from a STEM background, so quant analytics, mm-hmm. uh, traditional technology and risk management. Uh, the second being a bit more of insurance, actuarial services, uh, data science and analytics, as well as underwriting. Uh, the third is um, more of our investment management practice, so focused on you know, all things private equity, asset management, and hedge funds. Uh, and last but not least, a bit more of the revenue generating goals um, within the world of investment banking, uh, sales and trading, and wealth management. So, yeah, that's pretty much us in a nutshell. Um, but yeah, I'm glad you. I'm glad you ex- explained that because that was actually going to be one of my first questions. Uh, when when someone's nuanced like that, you know, let's say for financial services, sometimes people take that for okay. So you you you're in a, you you're just literally looking for quant folks that just can do financial services, and uh, you easily explained that no, we're looking for the full spectrum. We 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 want we want engineers, we want data scientists, we want actuaries, we want all kinds of folks for the financial services. Yeah, so. ex- exactly that. And I think the, the one thing that we've sort of honed in on is ideally focusing on business critical niche roles. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, we were ideally looking to find that, you know, needle in a haystack type candidate, uh, the roles that, you know, our clients can't live without if they're not filled or if they're not filled, for example, you know, it's going to be a pretty big hindrance to the success of the business. Uh, so that's sort of the, you know, niche or, or you know, space that we've carved out within, um, you know, FS recruitment. Are you uh, looking more established talent, or do you are you looking also at kind of the college, the early career folks? I, mean, yeah, I guess so, it probably depend on the client and their yeah, needs. But go ahead. Definitely, yeah, definitely depends on the client. I would say we tend to lean more towards that mid to senior level. Uh, you know that that mm-hmm. VP and above mm-hmm. um, sort of yeah. skill set. Where the market's going now, um, you know, you look at let's say someone coming, you know, fresh out of a master's program or you know a PhD type candidate if they're going to be more on you know, the tech risk or quant side, uh, these individuals are actually, you know, getting looks to, to step into some pretty seasoned, you know, high profile roles uh, at a relatively early stage in their careers. So from your vantage point, especially from what you deal with both on client side, candidate side, 
Um, what do you see as the state of recruiting today? Sure. So, yeah, I, I think it's safe to say, and everyone's you know probably seeing it across the board that the market is is quite hot uh, with unemployment at all time lows. It's it's really a candidate driven market. Um, what you know we see the direction heading in is that the clients and you know businesses that are taking a bit more of a human approach to understanding candidates' needs and wants. Um, you know, and taking you know that extra step to go a bit more in depth are the ones that are you know getting ahead. Um, one of the things that we've done to sort of differentiate ourselves and to make the process a bit smoother, you know, while the market you know is you know incredibly tight, um, you know, is ideally starting with the candidate. And a lot of places, or a lot of you know, a lot of different firms will you know maybe start with you know this role is posted by this client. Let's go and find the candidate pool on the back end. Whereas we take a different approach of, you know, if the market's this tight, let's make sure that we're establishing relationships, you know, early on in a candidate's career. And even if they, you know, we don't have something for them at the moment, we'd like to build a relationship, not just for today, but for the future. Um, and as a result of that, we've been able to lean into a pretty seasoned database of referrals and sort of our extensive network to enable individuals to be able to move uh, to some of these new roles. Um, and to access a pretty limited talent pool for our clients. Yeah, it's more than just building a pipeline. You're building uh, what, what we used to do is build relationships with folks, if not now, later, if not you, someone else, et cetera. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, you know, again, everyone's busy um, and uh, it's probably hard to get harder to get candidates both engaged and, and you know, on the phone or, in, in, you know, how are you, how are you, you know, both your, both your, you know, your team and also kind of the candidates that you work with, because it's, it's different, especially people that care about financial services. It's, it's just a different breed. How are you making that more human? How are you like tactically? Uh, Cause I think everyone's strategically, especially when they see the topic for the day, they're going to go, uh-huh. Yes. I need to do that. Especially in the face of all of the AI and uh, bots and all the other stuff, which is all fantastic stuff that automates a lot of the lower value task. Um, but then, then, the, then the conversation quickly becomes, okay, fantastic. How do you make it more human? Yep, absolutely. So I think it does kind of come down to coaching both sides of the coin, you know, both on the client mm. and candidate side. And, you know, when approaching a client, it's, it's pretty important just to sort of level set with them as to, you know, we've lived through a pandemic at this point, right? People have changed. Everyone's, you know, ideology and, and sort of interpretation of what does flexible work mean to them. That's, you know, one in a hundred different things for an individual could be having one day, you know, a week remote, that's flexibility for another business or another team. It could be having a team of 10 where you have 10 different team members sat in 10 different States and the headquarters is in a completely different state. Um, so it's, it's just understanding that it's not a one size fits all solution when attracting talent that in this day and age, everyone wants to have a bit of something, whether it's going to be, you know, a full spectrum of benefits or the remote work or the, you know, lack of relocation or maybe the, the clients that we're, that we're working with who almost tailor fit or pick, let's say two or three main sticking points per candidate that they're going to try and push for when putting forward an offer. Those are the ones that are winning um, and making the process a bit more human. I think second to that, you know, if you were to, you know, backtrack to 2019 and someone was, you know, doing a, a, a virtual interview 
um, or something on, on a VC, they would, you know, the, the, the candidate might have a dog barking in the background mm-hmm. or, you know, a kid run by in, in the back of the screen. That would be, you know, pre taboo oh, that's, that's, that's a deal killer right there. Exactly. That's exactly done. That. That's the end and, of interview. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. That. And yeah, I think in this day and age, you have the clients that still hold that mentality of, you know, it's an absolute deal breaker are losing out on some pretty skilled people. Uh, whereas some clients are saying, you know what, that's, that's part of life. That, that, that's the world that we live in. Obviously to a certain degree of, you know, professionalism needs to be maintained. I think there is a, you know, fine line and border, you know, to uphold and not to cross, but just understanding that this is part of, you know, some people's lives right now. Yeah. Um, it's, it's, it's interesting before you move to, uh, to candidate, it's interesting because Everyone, everyone sees like a lawyer in flip flops, and and that's cool, up up until you're jammed up and you need a lawyer, and then it's not cool. You know what I'm saying? Like yep. it, when you're dealing with the investment community, it, this is serious. This is actually <laughs> money. You know, there there can't be. I mean, there's very few things that are more important uh, than than money. So it's serious. So on yep. some level, you know, decorum, like you said. Um, the people that they're going to interact with, because they're all going to interact with folks and it's all going to be on some level or another about money. So it's, there is a serious, there's a, there's a levity that's important here for everyone to understand. I, I love that you started with personalization and remote because I was going to ask you about that. You know, there's a lot of headlines uh, months ago about how, you know, financial services return to work and return to the office and they, they were throwing money at it and bonuses at it and all kinds of stuff like that and a lot of people kind of attacked them for that i i didn't i, I just basically said well you know it's it's a different industry they need different things if i feel like they need folks in the office well okay <laughs> you know like you know no harm no foul like all right that's their that's their bid but i love that you're coaching that side your can your client side and saying you know what you know just before we get started, here's what's going on with the candidates. You know, here's what we see. You know, highly personalized. Uh, some of them are going to want some type of flexibility. And let's take a look at like what flexibility can mean. Flexibility could be just like one day from home. One, one. You know, flexibility could be you know never comes to the office. Okay, like so. There's lots of different ways to think of remote. There's lots of different ways to think of flexibility. You know, let's let's kind of define what what you care about, but also what the, what's going to get you candidates because at the end of the day that's what they care about is getting high quality candidates and then you then you then you pivoted into something another coaching point which is coaching can, uh, clients into you know rigid, you know essentially you know loosening up the rigidity okay things are serious what we do for a living is serious you know if something happens in someone's background, not not as serious, obviously, depending on what it is. But I love that. I love coaching the client. I love that you started there, too, because essentially you have to reframe things to be successful these days on the RPO staffing MSP side. You have to reframe things for them first and and then and then and then obviously figure out the candidate side. So is there anything else that you love doing with with uh, with clients these days and, and are they taking the coaching are they yeah. are they, are they <laughs> responding to the coaching yeah absolutely i, I think the majority of, of clients recognize that the the market is just so tight right now for, for top talent that 
they are trying to pull out all the stops and you know take feedback on board and, and you know, more so than ever, which is which is great. Um, I think one of the, the last points on the client side that I would I would highlight is that actual line managers and hiring managers are getting more involved in the process, um, more so now than than ever before. You know, traditionally you'd have you know a talent acquisition individual you know, run the process, schedule interviews, you know, work with external agencies, you know, work with the candidate, um, you know, work on delivering the offer and all the rest of that, where, you know, a candidate's exposure to the hiring team might be, you know, one hour long or, or maybe just one panel day uh, mm-hmm. of interviews, where now, um, you know, we, we saw an example where a candidate had two offers, uh, one through us and one through, uh, you know, competing uh, process they had on their own. And, you know, the global head of, the group took the time to, you know, write the candidate email, get on the phone with them, you know, further sell the position in the business and express how excited they were to have them on that team, whereas the other firm didn't. And that was essentially the, the you know, the, the push that that candidate needed to make the decision to join, you know, the firm that we were, we were staffing for. Um, so yeah, in a nutshell, more so now than ever, hiring managers getting a bit more personal in the process and, and showing their gratitude and, and desire to have top talent joined their team has made a pretty big difference in how people are reacting and feel to that. I hope we don't, I hope we never return to the old days in, in some ways, especially with this particular point, uh, because it's, it's so important for the candidate to then see, okay, this is the person I'm going to work for. This is the team I'm going to be working for. This is the things like I can ask directly instead of through the recruiter, through HR, through uh, other people on the team, et cetera, like this, this is the person like this is going to potentially be a mentor to me. This is, this is a person that I'm going to, I'm going to learn from. I love that. And that is, I mean, you, you could make things more human. Like that's just a great example of like, listen, you really say you care about talent. You really want this particular grade of talent. Okay. You got to get involved. Like, okay. Like, I mean, everything's important. Like their schedules are packed with important things. I get it. But like this can't, there couldn't be something more important than if you really, really want this gal or this guy or this person, et cetera, you, you need to get on the phone. You need to get on video. You need to actually talk to them and tell them a little bit about yourself. Tell them about what's going on. Like, like you said, sell, which I love, love that phrase because it is, I mean, essentially it is selling them the opportunity um, and what could be more human than that. So, okay. So that's on the, that's the coaching on the, they will probably think of some other ones, but yeah. Uh, that's coaching on the client side, coaching on the candidate side. How do we, how do we do that now in a more human way from your perspective? Yeah. So it, it's, it almost mirrors what we just discussed on the client end of things. I think with candidates going into an interview process, if they go in expecting the world and that they want, you know, every, you know, sort of perk and benefit that could potentially be offered that because they heard this, that, or third, you know, through their own, you know, sort of network. Right. It's not realistic. So we try and hammer out a, a couple of key things um, that will make or break the process for a candidate from the get-go. And, and again, not just about the traditional things like you know progression or title or compensation, but right. on the softer skills. Right. If there's um, you know what does the work from home you know shift look like? Right. What is their um, you know work-life balance? What are the the benefits that are on paper? You know, is it do they want to be heavy on a four hundred one k? Um, we've seen that like the shift and focus and sort of spotlight on all the non-traditional things start to kind of come into the foreground. 
of this is what's most important for candidates and identifying one, two, you know, max three things that are going to be the main sticking points when going into an offer negotiation or just laying it on the line from the get-go with a client saying, this is what I'm looking for outside of just additional, you know, things um, has helped candidates come across a bit more, you know, succinct and um, I guess prescriptive of what they want. I love that on uh, so many levels. And again, I hope we, the, the return to uh, the old days is uh, dead and gone. But the, the idea of the, here are the deal killers and talking openly like, okay, listen, you know, comp, you know, we're going to cover, we're going to cover comp because it's, it's going to be important. We're going to cover, you know, your trajectory and internal mobility and opportunity training and all these other things, upskilling, because those are just, those are almost table stakes at this point. Like, okay, fair enough. Um, but the things that you do care about now more than you did before, you know, now let's dig into what do you really, really, really care about? And, and, and all things aren't equal. So like in rank order, you know, uh, what, what's the most important to you today as it stands? Like, just let's, let's deal with it because if a client can't provide that for you for whatever reason, then we're not going to put that opportunity in front of you. Like that's that's foolish, and we wouldn't do that. So let's yep. let's talk openly. It's it seems like a almost a more frank conversation with candidates about you know about their desires and passions, which like again outside of kind of the harder stuff that we would normally talk to candidates about. And again, in a candidate-driven market, we're we're asking them about themselves where I think in, a, in an employer-driven market, we're more talking about the company and the role and the job. I don't know if, you, if you've seen the same thing. It's probably different in financial services, but um, what other things do you, does DEI or social injustice or any other types of things kind of come up in conversations with candidates? Yeah, absolutely. I think the uh, DNI uh, push is, is one that's you know been around. It's, it's taken um, a bit more presence, uh, you know, I would say over the last like 18 to 24 months. Um, and again, you, you can kind of sniff out who's really taking it seriously from a client perspective and candidates, you know, are, are asking this in, in some instances as to, is it just moving someone over to check a box at a senior level or are they actually, you know, taking the time to build up a platform from the ground up, you know, starting with, you know, their, you know, fresh hires, their analysts, their fresh grads, et cetera. And actually, trying to implement diversity from, you know, from stage one and, and organically growing those people up through the ranks versus just adding in, let's say, a director here or a board member there. Um, that's, that's come up a bit, um, you know, on the candidate side. I think in terms of coaching candidates as well, the, where we're at in the market now, there's a lot of sort of cross industry or sort of cross pollination, if you will. So the skills, the skill sets that we cover do transfer between you know, traditional technology within, you know, financial services, but then also the big techs, right? The, the things of this world. Um, and we've seen candidates that, you know, come in expecting, you know, what they might get, let's say from a, you know, a big tech non-financial institution. Right. With, with <laughs> Facebook offered me $780,000. Oh, exactly yeah. that. Good. Exactly Great. that. Good and, and the perks that come with all of it. So that was, that's a pretty big one for us. Um, it's, it's, you know, definitely, um, you know, an advantage that we have, you know, with Faden International being our parent company, we have different brands that sort of cross pollinate with each other and, and 
you know, share candidates through a, you know, a central database. We kind of see what's going on across the board and compare and contrast. Um, but again, I, I think that the big one is, is, you know, big tech versus, you know, fintech and how we set the expectations for candidates that may be having, you know, competing offers at any one given time from, you know, two on each side of the fence. Yeah, I was going to ask you about the nuances. Uh, if, again, if if it's a software engineer or let's say a full stack developer, make it mm-hmm. simple, um, and and they've got an offer from big tech and they've got an offer from uh, you know uh, let's say big finance or fintech, um, how is it nuanced for them? How do you kind of bring them into the world if they haven't if if they're on the fence, you know, mm-hmm. and they're thinking about okay, I could have a career pick a company in big tech or I could go fintech. Um, what's the sell there? Like what's, what's, and maybe it isn't a sell. Maybe it's, maybe it's, uh, just discussions. Like how do you, how do you communicate with them and talk with them about the benefit of financial services? Absolutely. So I, I, it really comes down to, I think a few things with, with that type of candidate, the platform that they'd be stepping into, you know, the, the tech stack and the technology that they're going to be exposed to. Um, and then also the individuals, you know, at those firms. Um, we've recently done a lot of work with, um, you know, a, a number of different, you know, startups um, and some, you know, smaller buy side shops where there's some pretty exciting senior level talent, you know, leaving some more established names to kind of break off and, and do their own thing. And that, as a result, has attracted a lot of talent, you know, from big tech looking to make a switch over saying, I could be jumping into a new exciting platform. I'll have, you know, some pretty cool people to work with, some exciting technology to, to you know, to actually develop with and, and develop. Um, and yeah, I think, you know, you look at the, the world of, of crypto right now, it seems to be everywhere. Everyone seems to you know, be wondering what's an NFT, you know, is this picture worth anything and all the rest of it. And that I think has definitely spurred a bit of a movement where it's sort of tying the two where you have a, you know, crypto driven, um, you know, hedge fund that's looking to poach people, let's say from a consumer fintech uh, lending uh, shop that was hot, you know, maybe three, four years ago. Right, right, right. What last last question? And it's a big one uh, mm-hmm. in terms of the great resignation, reshuffle, whatever mm-hmm. we want to call it today. How how have you seen that impact both sides? Uh, again, you you really kind of set the table at the beginning of this with, hey, we've all been through this. We've all changed and reevaluated our lives, our priorities, etc. Um, but how are you seeing kind of the fallout? of people just say deciding not to take a job or leave a job, you know, somebody, somebody, they're a wonderful opportunity. They're there for a year. They're just like, yeah, done doing something different. Have you yeah. seen that impact y'all's ability to be more human in the way that you interact with both sides, both, mm-hmm. both you're servicing both sides. So how you interact and be more human with your, uh, both your clients and your candidates. Yeah. So I, I think from, um, you know, it's of like, great resignation, I, I tend to lean more towards great reshuffle. Um, yeah. When I think of great resignation, I think of everyone's quitting their jobs and just kind of, you know, sitting at home or, or, you know, buying a one-way ticket to a beach um, where a lot of these people are, are jumping back into the market with different opportunities, better, you know, work-life balance, better pay, et cetera. Um, where I think the, the, the main impact um, has been on our side is that the conversations, as you mentioned before, are just a bit more frank with both sides of the coin. Um, mm-hmm. We've seen clients, you know, almost make spike hires, if you will, I've been calling them, where 
they find out that a candidate may be interviewing with their main competitor across the street, and they're pulling the trigger on hiring that individual ASAP because they don't want that person to land up, you know, land or end up in, um, you know, the competitors. You see, I love that, not just because of the competitor stuff. I, I, I love that because of speed. That, there's, that they've determined, you know what, we're going to move fast, which I, I love because I think that that's also something that we haven't talked about because we focus on the human side is that we're just going to have to get faster at what we do, which means that the hiring process, hiring manager, all the decisions, like we don't have weeks. That's it. It's gone. We don't have weeks. We, we might have minutes. We might, we, okay, we might have hours, but days, but we, we don't have weeks. So I love that. Um, uh, the competitive stuff is always, always there and always going to be there. And it's a competitive business. It's a competitive industry. It's, you know, <laughs> yep. there couldn't be anything more competitive. <laughs> yeah, couldn't, couldn't agree more. And, and, and speed, speed and efficiency is really what's driving, you know, this whole great, you know, reshuffle and, and realization or, you know, whatever you want to call it, you know, the, the quickest the punch, you know, with the best well-rounded um, offer and platform and, you know, personalized touch will be the one who wins the battle. Um, and again, you know, I think we, we've seen them for, you know, for quite some time, you know, you have the applicant tracking systems, you know, recruiting back in, in 2015, 2016, there were maybe a handful of places that used an actual, you know, third-party technology. Some people were still using an Excel sheet to kind of keep track of who's coming in, who's coming out. Pretty much everyone, probably 90% of our clients have adopted some sort of automated system oh, yeah. Oh, that yeah. frees up the time of talent acquisition to have real personal conversations and move the process quickly versus being bogged down with admin. So again, something small and, and it's almost less human on the, you know, yeah. adding in a bit of technology, but it also on the get you to, it gets you yeah. to the human. I mean, exactly. if, we, if we get those low value, lower value schedule candidates scheduling, if we get those lower value tasks out of the way, we can be human. Cream, right. uh, I could talk to you all day. I appreciate your time and your wisdom. So thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Appreciate it, William. Thanks for, so much for having me, and uh, yeah, hopefully speak soon. Awesome, and thanks for everyone listening to the Recruiting Daily Podcast. Until next time. You've been listening to the Recruiting Live Podcast by Recruiting Daily. Check out the latest industry podcasts, webinars, articles, and news at recruiting.